0: Hey guys, Joe here. Before we get to the show today, I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about one of our great sponsors, Shield Sports. Not only are they a destination sports store in the Fox River Mall, they're a huge supporter of sports in our area and the Red Smith banquet. So if you're looking to fuel your passion in hunting, fishing, camping, fitness, sports, let's face it, anything you ever really wanted to do, including eating some insane fudge, then Shield Sports is your destination store. In the end, we all know it's about the gear, the passion, and sports. Shield Sports, located at the Fox River Mall, Appleton. And now, enjoy the show.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to week three of the Red Smith Podcast. I am your host, Fred Thurston. Joining me as always, Joe Ornstein. We are super excited to have you guys back. Last week, we had a great sit-down discussion with Nick Salm. This week, we will have another fantastic guest for you. But first, we want to talk a little bit about a few departures in the Fox Valley that are kind of leaving people questioning what's next. And Joe, um, I think, you know, one that kind of shook up uh, a lot of the Fox Valley um, was the departure of the legendary head coach for Kimberly football, Steve Jones. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I, I you know I think initially is it was, it was shock. I mean, what a, I mean the most well-respected program in in the the state, really uh, incredible. I mean, Jones is an incredible coach. You you, you can see why they're they're, they're what they are. Um, so shock. But if you know if you think about it. He's had a heck of a run. He, he he's a great speaker. He he's actually been at the banquet uh, at least once, if not twice. We we've done some some interviews with him. He's very well spoken. Uh, I've sat in in one of his you um, one of his speaking engagements one time. He's very well spoken. Uh, so I, I he definitely could have a career in that. He just wrote a book. Um, you know, a lot goes into the, into that, and you. you um, you know, the more you put into it, really, the more you can get out of it. So, I, I you know, you understand the decision. And, you know, he, he is young. Uh, you, you wonder if he's going to continue to coach? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But maybe uh, you know, we can reach out to him and, and, and uh, have an interview with him some, somewhere down the road. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, shock, and i want to miss him. I, I really, you know, from an official's standpoint, he was impressive. Uh, just Pre-game meeting. It, it's just, it's precise. He's organized. One of the things that that, that this has always stuck out in my head. I it, six, seven, eight years ago, um, our crew is working at Kimberly, and it's the national anthem, and in our crew lines up, you know, the forty-five yard line or whatever. But it's Kimberly sideline, and Coach Jones is walking up and down the sidelines, instructing his players on how to stand, where your helmet is, and, and how you're supposed to stand, you know for the national anthem and walking up and being strict and and, in small attention to details like that is is really i think in my opinion is what defined kimberly because they address every potential issue in in a football game and a football program and and, and steve jones is the one um yeah that led it and and led it to its success and he'll he'll be missed It, it was uh from my perspective, as an official and as just a fan of the sport, it was pure pleasure for me to have him and, and watch him uh, coach the Kimberly program. And I'll definitely be a fan of his, whatever he does next. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, legendary in all regards. I mean, led the Papermakers to five state championships, uh, ten conference championships a 70 game win streak, uh, set a state record an overall record of 129 and nine. I didn't, I mean, I, I, I can't even fathom that, that greatness. Um, and we kind of watched it here live in front of us. Um, and I have never really gotten the opportunity to meet him or talk to him. Um, but the records and the composure and the ability to, to teach young men, um, was enough I don't think I really needed to t- necessarily meet, I mean I'll still meet him I'd love to have him on the show uh but it was just like you said I mean it, it, the details the attention to details the the more than football lessons that he was teaching these young men um is something that I admire so much and I'm super excited that you know he was able to bring such in- incredible football to this area uh which is always been decent but never you know on that national scale and i think for a while there kimberly was was being recognized um nationally and having some of you know these you know having recruiters come to fox valley for once in a great while there's been a lot of division one you know before really the kimberly run there, there
0: wasn't always a lot of say division one talent uh in the fox cities i'm old enough to remember uh, did a lot of this and when Kimberley started the success and, and, and Jones really, you know, he took it from the Jurgensen, Coach Jurgensen, and, and you know, built it from there. Uh, so the foundation was there for him. But it, you're absolutely right. Other programs took notice and started implementing the, the, these same you know, the same types of ways when it comes to work out and just what your calendar looks like through through the, through the year. Um, you know, Coach Wurtz, uh, later on we're going to hear, he, he touches on it a little bit with the communication with the parents. Um, Jones really had that really good communication, great communicator, and that solves a lot of problems, especially in a, in a large football program. Um, so there's, there's no question that 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 helped him and he was really good at that. Um, and, and the other thing that you, you touched on, Fred, that, that I don't know how many people realize this. Certainly anybody that want any kid that went through his program will recognize this. But it was more than football and it was more than the, 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 the wins. It was developing young men and. and you know, that's a, that's in a sweet spot for me right now. I mean, I, I have a boy that's just, you know, he's a freshman in college. I have another son that's a, a junior in high school. I mean, this is right in the wheelhouse of the, the ages that Coach Jones is teaching these kids about life. And, and these kids are right in a spot at that age, you know, where they need somebody like that to kind of set their compass as they head off to college or, or working world or whatever they end up doing. But those are, you know – kids need guidance and they need great guidance at that age from, from more than just a parent. And, and that, that's a, not everybody has that. And coach Jones definitely has that.
1: So the thing with Steve Jones, you know, bringing in such a standard to football here in the Fox Valley was so exciting to watch and, and, um, you know, kind of being on this side of it, uh, you know, being an Appleton North, you know, family, if you will, um, you know, it was, it was interesting because I have not always been Appleton North. I grew up in Nina and I, I, you know, that's where my allegiance and for the most part lies. Um, and at that time back in the day, Kimberly was not, you know, as, as great as they were. So, you know, watching, you know, a lot of the younger players that we helped coach and helped kind of, you know, through AYFA, like with Nick Salm and and through the high school levels, and then even my own son, I mean, for them to, go up against kimberly it was always a very much a david versus goliath type situation and um the way that people talked about kimberly you know was you know for so long it was it was such respect you know and then i think a little bit towards the end there it was a little bit of bitterness and jealousy and frustration because they were so good but that wasn't because they wasn't because they were buying players or because they were doing this or do it was because of the standards and the stipulations that Steve Jones placed within that organization and within the Kimberly school district. And, you know, I think that whole area um, is just better because of what he did. And it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I'm excited to see what he does. I hope that uh, he has, I'm sure he has an incredible plan ahead of him. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I guess at some point, you know, I talked to my son about it and I was like, you know do you get do you get to a point right where where you're kind of like what else can i do you know i i built the foundation we've been we've been extremely successful we've we've helped a ton of kids um we've gotten the championships we've built the 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 you know the facilities you know we've changed kimberly football and sports for forever really i mean there's just kids wanting to go there to play football um I don't know what else you do. I mean, I guess you get to that point. I always, I always question that same question when it comes to guys like Nick Saban at Alabama or, um, you know, some of these great legendary college coaches. I mean, at what point is, are you just okay with what, what happened?
0: So can I have a conspiracy theory out there? My my own theory of maybe what he might do, please. So just stepped down from UW Oshkosh. I don't believe they have a new head coach yet. Jones is a WIAC guy. I believe he went to Stevens Point. Could he be the next UWO head coach?
1: Conspiracy theories live on the Red Smith podcast. <laughs> that's actually great. I mean, do you do you think that's in his plan? Do you think college, or do you think the idea of going out and being a leader and and you know sharing his story and sharing all that stuff? Um, do you think that's his next move? I mean. You talked about the book, you talked about his, you know, incredible ability to speak and to influence and to change lives. Um, You know, maybe that's it, you know, maybe that's just kind of where he's at. But on the flip side to kind of, you know, echo your thought process there. um, I think once a coach, always a coach, right? I don't know if that's such an easy thing to just step away from, especially at his age. I mean, I don't know how old he is. He looks like he's 35. He looks like he's younger than me. But I mean, I can't imagine that he's just going to hang it up and go, you know, buy a villa down in Florida and just call it call it quits. I just I, I don't think that's possible for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you never know. I mean, everybody's a little different, in, you know what they want in life. But you know, you there's something to the fact, you know, especially as you get older and you look back in your life of, of you know conquering different different quests and, and you know certainly promoting a book and public speaking is, is definitely a, a, a quest to be conquered. But, I, you know, as far as a coach, you're, you're right, you know. But, again, dude, we'll, we'll hear Dylan talk about it. And he came from a basketball family, you know, lived and breathed, you know, came out of the womb with a basketball. He was destined to be a coach. Um, I You know, I don't know if, 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 if Steve Jones is, is that passionate for coaching, but, you know, he, he's pretty darn good at it, so you, you would assume it's in his blood. But, you know, there's, there's nothing to say. He won't coach again in in, in future years. And and I'm just merely speculating that he, uh, he knows best. I'm sure he'll make the right decision.
1: Well, with whatever he does, we hope him the best. Uh, somebody that we do know that is moving down to Florida and enjoying that Villa retirement life. Uh, a good friend, Pete Hermes, uh, the, uh, the owner and, I mean, I don't know what you, what do you call them? Uh, the ins, ins, inspiration, uh, the facilitator of soccer in the Fox Valley area, um, for 27 years, um, you know, decides to call it quits and decides to get rid of, uh, a staple in the Fox Valley area and soccer heaven, um, a place that you can play indoor soccer, uh, which, We all know here in Wisconsin, you have very minimal time to play outdoor soccer. So indoor soccer is a very big deal. Um, You know, he's been around for 27 years. I think I've been playing at Soccer Heaven um, for 25. I think I was a year or two after it opened. It was when I first started playing there. Played all the way through, you know, grade school, middle school, into high school. Uh, We would play, obviously, on my league teams. We had pickup teams. Um, and then I went away to college and came back to, you know, I stayed in Wisconsin, but came back to this area. And, um, within the last year, my place of employment offers the opportunity for us to play, uh, soccer as, as a group, uh, to keep exercise, keep us fit. And we got to go back to soccer heaven. And I was, I was so excited. I was so giddy about the idea of going there and walked in there and there was Pete looked the exact same. Soccer Heaven looked the exact same. I mean, it was like nothing had changed and it just it brought over this like this comfort feeling, right? You know, I had not played soccer in a little bit of time and I was a little out of shape. I don't look the same as I did when I was in high school and it was it was great. It was uh super exciting and the last year's been man, getting to play on Wednesday nights has been probably one of my favorite things uh that's happened to me in the last year. And, you know, I talked to Pete about just the general aspect of soccer and and how much that's meant to people and how much it meant to me as a kid to be able to go there um and then now me as an adult getting to play with my my work team and then being able to coach my son you know i would bring charlie there this last the last two winters um to play for his u6 team and you know every time we go in there I'd be, oh, that's where dad plays or that's where dad played when he was younger and charlie thought that was a trip um it was just a, it was such a, a friendly place. It was a great place. Um, Pete, great guy. Uh, always, always excited to talk to us, always met us there when we'd walk in. Uh, Charlie refused to leave soccer heaven whenever we were there without going and saying hi to Pete. Uh, he would go right into his office. Um, if anyone knows Charlie, that's how Charlie operates. And he would go right into his office and say, Hey Pete, how you doing? And Pete would be like, Hey Charlie, always remembered everyone's name. And, um, you know, it's it's um I'm super sad about it, uh, in that regard because of everything I just stated. Um, but on the flip side of that, I wanna just say that I'm I'm so grateful and so excited uh for Pete and Lori to kind of have their moment, you know, to get down to Florida, retire, enjoy themselves. Um, and I'll let you touch on that a little bit. But I, I'd also like to ask you, I mean, what do what does the Fox Valley do? What do we do to kind of bring a new facility or, you know, find a way for soccer to continue here in an area that is a thriving soccer metropolis, right? I mean, at Nina, fantastic soccer program. Appleton's program has blossomed so much in the last few years. You have Kimberly, you have Manette. I mean, there's a lot of soccer going on around here, you know, just as well as anyone else. So what what's the next move here um, within the Fox Valley to, to kind of keep soccer alive in these cold months?
0: You know, first of all, Fred, I, I echo your thoughts about Pete and his, his family. Uh, thank you. I mean, congratulations. I mean, it's a heck of a run. He ran an absolutely first-class place. I mean, that place was absolutely spotless. Uh, my son, Cooper, played soccer from, you know, first grade through senior uh, to high school. And uh, in soccer heaven it was a lot of our winters where we played there. So I have been in that place hundred times with 3v3 tournaments were awesome i love that little 3v3 card just some epic battles for kids at you know 12 years old or 10 years or whatever they were um yeah some some great sunday afternoons spent there so yeah, it was a great facility and you know i i don't have the answers on, on on what to do i mean the end of the money at the end of the day it takes money uh to build a, you know, a facility. They, they have indoor facilities in Milwaukee uh, that are nice. I'm not sure how they're funded, um, you know, throughout the country. There's all different formulas for how these things happen. Some of it is taxpayer dollars. Some of it is private donations. So it comes down to, to the money, um, but there's there's no question about it. There's just no indoor space. Um, you know, lacrosse would, would, would certainly use, use the indoor space. Uh, soccer would use the indoor space. I don't know how you get it built, you know, you, you need, uh, you know, I guess somebody willing to, to, to donate it and start it, you know, you can, you can apply for grants and things like that to help off- offset some of the costs, but, and the other thing I think that people probably don't realize, especially about an indoor uh, facility, if you think about it, there, there's your whole summer, you don't have anybody renting out your, your facility, there's, there's no income coming and quite honestly the fields are really only filled at best six hours a night. So you're really only talking about a six hour window every day of, of, when your fields are actually being used. And it's, you know, it, it's tough to generate enough revenue to, to keep the lights on. And that plays a big part of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously it's easy for us to sit here and say, Hey, who's willing to go, you know, spend the money to buy it. Let's, let's build it. Let's figure it out. Um, you know, I definitely think there's some things that maybe you could streamline a little bit, you know, uh, nicer to maybe cut some costs. And maybe, you know, there was a lot of extra space at Soccer Heaven that I think probably wasn't utilized um, just because it wasn't necessary to be utilized. But you could kind of cut that out. You know, I kind of look at it and I think, you know, how is there a way to to capitalize on all different fronts? Right. You talked about just the idea of, you know, it's not open. Right. You know, Like, what do you do from noon to two or nine to 10. I mean, how do you just, you find, you know, renters or space for that? You have you, a couple work leagues like I got into, or maybe an adult league or something like that. But um, you know, how do you, how can you kind of maybe fill that space during the day or at least kind of subsidize that? And I guess I kind of come back to what we just talked about with Kimberly, you know, Kimberly built that great facility, um, that indoor facility behind their school, obviously, I'm not talking about something that big and that beautiful and that's a huge brick building, but is there some way, you know, where you can look at it and say, Hey, we can, we can, you know, kind of double down with, you know, maybe shields and Appleton North. We build it close to Appleton North and the North programs can kind of use it for, lacrosse and soccer during the days or during you know certain times of the the week or whatever like that along with your normal soccer programs nina i just think kind of look at it and i think to myself there's so much soccer right and there's so many people behind the soccer where are they going to be able to go like where's nina soccer club appleton soccer like where is everybody going to go they can't go to De De depure has a great indoor facility but depure has their own you know, mountain to climb with as many different soccer teams, and I just don't know where else it works. I feel like you almost have to find something or some way to consider it, it, it to be an option, just because you're going to lose out on so much, you know, uh, ability for these young teams, you know, to the the high school teams to practice during the winter, as well as just kids. I mean, kids to get out and get to do stuff. I mean, Charlie. Charlie does not probably have a fantastic future in soccer I don't know if he really quite understands the game to the full extent yet he's five we'll get there but he goes and he runs and he has fun and he laughs and he giggles and he he gets a good workout in the dead of winter when we're stuck inside all the time and that to me is another whole aspect of it you know I mean it's just uh, there's a lot of people and a lot of you know kids that are that are gonna be affected and by no means do I I blame Pete or anybody like that. I just think that I would love to see, you know, a group of people, some organizations maybe come together and, and at least entertain the idea of how can we maybe make this work and keep it super cost effective that we're not having to look at it in a, in a way of how are we going to ever pay for this?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, it, this has been talked about, at least I've been, I've been a part of you know different conversations through the years, and I'm sure there's hundreds of others of how it can be done I I guess what you hope for that with Pete closing maybe that uh, spurs something to you know to happen but um, there there are some more like bubbles that are popping up uh, around over a turf field Uh, that those are pretty expensive as well but um, yeah you'd like to think um, sometime soon that they they can build an indoor facility I, I guess if enough people demand it uh, th- there is a really, really cool one down in Rockford. It looks like an airport hangar, kind of has that style. Just mammoth in there, but a kind of a wide concourse with some seating, full-size soccer field, like a full-size Olympic size, um, and then a bar in the middle. And then there's another field on the other side that one might have walls. I, I can't remember. Um, but then you have a bar in the middle and, you know, like locker rooms and, and restaurant and it, it's it's kind of an event center kind of a thing. And it, it's part of a, a broader soccer complex, but you know, in the winter or whatever that that's full, but a, a field like that, they, they can schedule more things year round. Anybody's going to play in a pretty cool facility like that. Even if it's, you know, middle of the summer, um, and there'd be another business kind of incorporated in there. So I don't know, who knows, you know, there, there's a lot of great. It's the one thing about this area, you, you know, they, they have put together uh, a pretty impressive list of just cool venues, you know, the Champion Center and, and Lambeau Field even, I mean, look, you know, look no further than Lambeau, you know, so I mean, anything is possible. Um, it just takes time. It, it takes time, it takes land, it takes money, it takes You know, a lot goes into it, but
1: uh, we'll see. Well, stop being such an adult about it, Joe. Jeez, like give me my, (laughs) give me my Christmas present early and tell me that it's already getting built and there's already land bought. Jeez, Louise. Um, (laughs) But you're right. I mean, man, I was thinking of the Champion Center even when we were talking about it. I just felt like, oh man, is there is there space there? Is there an opportunity there? You know, um, I know during the winter months, you know they they have the ice you know, they ice out there, two areas, but maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's an, uh, there's an option there, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, uh, sad to see it go sad to see that I icon- you know, driving down four It'll be sad to not see that big soccer ball hanging off the side of the building. And I was actually, I played a game tonight. I was hoping to run into Pete and see if I could somehow salvage that ball and put it on my garage or something. I'm sure my wife would love that. Um,
2: but yeah, so we
1: so a couple a couple a couple big departures, right? I mean, Steve Jones, legendary coach, uh decides to step down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we lose an iconic part of the Fox Valley in soccer heaven. Uh, but this show will not be about just departures. We are not just going to be the obituary section of the newspaper tonight. No, uh, it's it's all- Ed, east of four forty one. Yeah, it's all that side. Um Instead, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to have the opportunity really to kind of have a a close friend of ours uh, and uh, committee member, Mackenzie Clemens, kind of sit down with a new arrival um, into a uh, up and coming program, the Menasha Blue Jays basketball program. uh, And she gets to sit down with Dylan Wertz and kind of talk with him about his story and how he got to be the head coach of the uh, Menasha Blue Jays.
2: I know you started off playing in Kimberly, right?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, I guess that's <laughs> where I get my varsity experience uh, started. Actually, in Wapan, but yeah, Kimberly is where I played varsity basketball for the first time as a junior, um, first year in that program at that point. So, going through kind of a similar transition now as a coach, uh, but first year was uh, yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine at Kimberly.
2: And that was under your dad coaching. under my dad
3: and obviously lots of variables there and a lot of good times, a lot of challenging ones, but yeah, I know a ton of fun and uh, experience that you know, set me up for uh, what I am now as a coach.
2: Is that kind of what you got you into coaching was because your dad did it or is there other things?
3: Yeah, I think you know the experience I had along the way. Uh, some really, and we'll—I'm sure we'll chat more about these people. But he's the the prime, uh, the primary, uh, I guess, person in my life that, that changed you know, my thinking of, towards coaching. Uh, as a player, I was anybody you can ask. People, I wasn't maybe not as receptive to coaching as uh, you'd think. And as a traditional coach, as a coach now, you wow this guy probably took it all in but you know I, at, at times I wasn't and I understood that uh, in perspective and looking in retrospect but I had amazing people along the way and him being the first and then you know coach Yuckum and uh, coach Lewis uh, that are gone on to other endeavors uh, and uh, yeah I think just had the right people at the right times in my life that said hey wh- why don't I try to be that person for somebody else.
2: I know you mentioned the transition from playing to coaching, but how was the transition from high school to college playing?
3: Yeah, I, I think the traditional, I guess, when I hear that question answered is the speed of the game. and uh, it, it, It's definitely a higher level of competition. I think UW Oshkosh, you can see where they're at now. They, they weren't quite as good when I played, uh, but it was a different level of basketball, no doubt. And, minutes you know you step on the court uh, with college age adults and you're just they're playing at a different speed with a different level of strength and no doubt about that I think you know the biggest transition for me and I think every kid goes through it is just the role your role changes instantly from star or at least you know at least up there in the starting lineup to you're fighting for minutes and you're fighting for everything you can get and going through that I think just that experience sets you up so well for the future and for my experience I, I didn't play much to start my college career but instant and then kind of became a starter eventually and yeah that that experience I think more than anything I guess uh, was probably the biggest transition for me uh, and I think every kid goes through it and Personally, I think it's just a fantastic way to set you up for the rest of your life because we all stop. We start at the, the bottom of the totem pole.
2: Is there a memory from playing at UW-Oshkosh that stands out the most to you, whether that was your first game starting, you know, first game at uw Um,
3: I guess a couple. Uh, as a freshman, I didn't play a ton as a freshman, but um, I had uh, lingering shoulder issues. Uh, and it, it was kind of a big game at the time. Uh, we were a pretty solid team um, my freshman year, and uh, it was the beginning of the season. You know, obviously but my first time really getting minutes uh, against Lawrence University at Oshkosh. and my I dislocated my shoulder in the middle of the game, and it popped out. And yeah, it just very traumatic. I mean, I, I had shoulder issues leading up to that, but. Uh, anyways popped out in the middle of the game and uh, my coach was tough as nails Ted Van Dellen and you I'm sure you've heard of him or you know it's just a tough guy and at this point you know you're thinking well there isn't really an option to you know sit out uh, at least you know that's what I thought as a freshman so we got her back into place and went in and I took a shot after with my shooting arm and it was a miracle, but it went in, and uh, it,
2: well, all your shots are miracle, yeah. right? So set me
3: up for the future. <laughs> I guess nothing could stop me then. So, yeah. oh.
2: mm-hmm. wow, I did not know that story.
3: <laughs> yeah, traumatic. It, it was fun. We won the game too. That matters. That's probably the well best. because
2: of that shot. Yeah, Thank no. God,
3: nah, not quite.
2: <laughs> so, going from playing at UW Oshkosh, and then you went into coaching, pretty. Immediate after that, is that correct?
3: Yeah. So I took a a year. Actually, um, I thought about helping with my dad, and I personally didn't. <clears throat> I view that a little differently than other people. I, you know, I've grew up around um, my dad being the coach and being the, the leader of a program that I was a part of my entire life. So. Uh, there was a little bit of rebellion for me where I was like, I really don't know if I want to go just be a part of my dad's program. And so I actually was an eighth grade coach um, for Oshkosh West. I I chose uh, to help Coach Johnson um, over my dad. And uh, we ended up losing uh, eventually to Kimberly. Uh, We took fourth in state We took second um, in eighth grade, but, so maybe I made the wrong choice. I'm not sure, but I had a great experience with great kids there. And after that, I kind of knew I'd had the itch. Uh, I did some AU coaching uh, with women's basketball. I went over the all over the country with a uh, Flight Elite program, which is out of Ashgash, uh, the local area, with some very talented ladies. And then uh, decided to jump on with uh, Coach. Welcome, Coach Lewis, uh, at UW Ashkash, and I guess at that point it was became a, an addiction in terms of uh, my experience with coaching and uh, just a ton of fun and just kind of was along for the ride. And, and talk about experiences at UW Ashkash, I had a lot, uh, lot more positive ones uh, than <laughs> uh, negative ones because of the great people that were around me during my time there as a coach.
2: And it was quite a run for UW Ashkash when you were coaching there is you guys won nationals in, was it 20, 2000? Oh man, I'm blanking now. <laughs>
3: 19, right? Well, yeah,
2: 19. It's,
3: it's always two years, so 18, 19. Yeah. If I'm putting the years together, I think, yes. correctly, the, the COVID fog over the years <laughs> yes. just, I the last four, just... A out. blur. Oh, so, yeah, so... <laughs> I think eighteen nineteen is the one uh, year, the group years we won it Uh 1718 we took second and the year before um, made the tournament so really no like yeah no no down years there just you know I, and I, I was a piece of it a small piece of it and I was just thankful to be a piece of it at that you know just learning the way of a champion I guess uh, culture it, it gets talked about but just fantastic people around that program. And I couldn't been in a better place at a better time uh, to be around people that model, you know, my coaching career now and uh, really shaped me to be the man I am now. And I, I do owe it to them a lot of that. And I've had, like I said, fantastic role models up and down the line, but those two people, you know, in that program, uh, those years in my life were, the most impactful um, part of my life maybe ever just in terms of changing from what I was or what I thought I might do in order to uh, achieve a successful life and uh, and turn it into now, I guess, a, a, my vision and continued that way until now and hope to obviously make it a success.
2: What was one of the biggest takeaways that you brought from being the assistant coach at UW Oshkosh, bringing it into – the Menasha program?
3: Yeah, I I think the level of detail and organization that it takes to run a program, as being a piece of it, and I spent some time uh, with Kimberly in my transition. um, I did eventually join my dad's staff, you know, Kimberly for the last two years. And that also set me up for this, but just the amount of Detail it takes uh, to run a good program, and it, we're all trying to run great programs. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's 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 a process. It takes time. But the amount of detail and just everything matters. Uh, you know, it's it's getting kids snacks before the game. It's you know having uh, team dinners with you know, a group of people that that you're going to, to be spending multiple hours with on the court and just understanding that, that, that that's not the end all be all it's, it's about, you know, building relationships. And so, and then the academic piece of it, everything, you know, and trying to manage 45 people, you know, not managing the parents, but understanding that the parents need to be communicated with and just the details that go uh, into essentially the leading, you know, I, Hundred-person team of people to hey, let's mobilize and, and go in the right direction. It's it's more obviously than uh, you would ever imagine. Uh, as a as an assistant, I never really knew what that all entailed, but I had some people, oh uh, yeah, that that showed me here are some fantastic ways to do things. And then Kimberly, kind of the same thing, and and that goes beyond coaches that administration, you know, it, it takes everybody to run a good program.
2: And you have quite a tenure on your bench too, with Eastman and Melky. How is that dynamic?
3: Yeah, I wouldn't be more fortunate. And now they get to be kind of internal forces and, you know, and putting this uh, program in in the space that we want it to be. And I couldn't be more blessed to have them. It's dynamics no doubt different uh it's milks with the the loud bellering voice you know defense defense and coach eastman brings a a psychological aspect he's a psychology teacher and understanding the framework of what kids you know are, are going through and how do we help them through each and every facet of their lives and uh just I guess when I put those two together and uh, they're different personalities, they're different people they have different uh, ways of looking at things, but just the care for each and every kid is just an incredibly high level. And that's all we're trying to do here is just put a bunch of people around these kids that care. And if we do that, eventually we might win some games, but we'll leave kids better uh, than when we found them. And that's, that's the goal. So
2: if there was one piece of advice for someone starting off their coaching career, what would you give them? What would you tell them?
3: Yeah, I I guess for me, I would just say do the work. I mean, it's, it's the only way you learn and understand um, uh, uh, perspectives, I guess, for players, parents, and is just, to get in the gym, talk to them, you know, talk through uh, uh, things outside of basketball. I, I think understanding that it's more than basketball is probably what I'm trying to get at is it, it, basketball, I mean, it, X's and O's, everybody seems to know them. I, it's not, that's not going to make us very different uh, on an everyday basis. It's how much the kids think we care. It's how much uh, they feel impacted by our uh I guess instruction in terms of basketball, but also other facets of their lives, and pouring yourself into that stuff, I, I think is just going to get you a lot more uh, bang for your buck in terms of changing kids uh, for the better, and hopefully putting them on a path to success in you know, basketball, but other things too. And I think once you know, I started figuring that out, which it didn't it didn't take long, but you get there's so much uh, out there in terms of, uh, the schemes and all those things. And you can scheme to win a game, but you can't scheme to, uh, to change something long-term and having a long-term perspective and thinking about the kids every day, uh, emotions, I think is probably, uh, would lead to more success for young coaches. And I'm still one of those. So don't take this. as <laughs> <laughs> This isn't the gospel. Uh, I'm learning plenty and I'm fortunate to have the people you mentioned, uh, Help me in that passive.
2: So does your dad make it to a lot of games or is he calling you after games saying you should have done this differently?
3: Uh no, I he tries to be good guy. I think he's uh, he always said it and I and he know I know it's true and I know because I know because I watch my siblings and I watch but Man, I in our family. It's just we ache for each other in terms of you know wins, losses, and uh, so <laughs> he's he's watching. He watched it. Uh, unfortunately, came and was in the building for. He's only been to losses so far. Uh, so, um, but he's got he's got his own team now. Well, he's helping out at Laconia, so he's busy. He's got some. Uh, some responsibilities down there that tie him up for most game nights, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a unique dynamic. He, he obviously wants to lend a hand, but understands I got to do my own thing and, um, understands I have great help already. And that's, you know, sets me up in a position where, um, uh, we'll be fine and we'll get through it. And, uh, it's because we have great kids. We have great uh, people around them that, that help me, uh, put them in position to succeed and he understands that and he understands that uh, we're not going to solve it in a 11 PM talk uh, about uh, could have changed to a press or you know, it's just, it's not going to be that way. So.
2: And looking at the season, are there any current players that are on kind of your watch list to make sure you're scouting them a little more
3: in terms of other teams? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, well, our conference, I think just start out with them. I, the ones that we're watching, no doubt. You got the, the kids at Xavier, uh, Fefferly and Sherwood, uh, Charlie and Alex Sherwood are fantastic players. Uh, they, the The pedigree of Xavier you know, speaks for itself, how much they've uh, won in this conference recently. So fantastic players. Uh, we played West of Pure already and, they have some fantastic talent, Nate heclo and Ethan Hack, good players uh, from there. And uh, I just think our conference is deep. Uh, I, I I could name more. Uh, I can name the Green Bay East kids, and I think it's a fantastic conference up and down. But it's uh, it's a team game, and uh, I know other coaches feel that. So I, I want to give props to the player that they do you know the work, and uh, but every night for us is is another guy another two guys, the talent in our area is just an incredibly high level. And uh, I've had the fortune to coach some other guys in the area. I mean, Jackson Pawlecki, Owen Pawleckowski, when we were, when I was on the Kimberly stat, just fantastic players, fantastic people. I've been around a bunch and uh, just to put my two cents in for my guys, I thought, I think Jackson Dylan and Jalen Womack are multi-year starters and varsity performance for us that hopefully, uh, you know, as the season progresses, we get better and better. And uh, they're going to be a big piece of why we uh, we think we can contend later in the year.
2: Awesome. And is there any difference that you saw when coaching girls versus guys? That was kind of my last question.
3: Well, yeah. Well, I, I was briefly in the girls game. I, I think I had... And I think like four division one and multiple division two is fantastic. Callie Pullman, uh, from Hamilton North, uh, some fantastic players from Hortonville. I I, I coached the best of the best for that grade for a while there. And, um, they, uh, I will, I guess my perspective, and I had two sisters that played the game and my sister is an assistant coach at Winona. I think girls will, you know, if instructed, they'll they'll do what you ask. And uh, that's fantastic in a lot of ways. Uh, sometimes, as we find out through getting them to do it, that's like, ah, no, you know, it, it kind of pressures you to teach in an incredibly high level, whereas girl, uh, boys are more, they'll just react. And sometimes they just frankly don't even listen to you. But I guess the difference is is in how, you know, they take instruction and uh, it made me a better coach to teach and um, uh, have girls that were willing to listen uh, because yeah, I got the things I wanted to accomplish. And I figured out sometimes, man, I was wrong. Uh, they shouldn't be doing that. So, and I guess it gave me the perspective that coaching, uh, we can overcoach and we can, we can, uh, we got to let players play, let their skills show and, you know, and, be okay with the results at some point, because you know, there's so much talent in this area. There's so much talent on the teams that we play on an every night basis that sometimes it's just better to get out of the way.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And-
3: yeah, no, I, I enjoy it. I like talking about my people. I have fantastic people around me, so I'm I'm blessed to talk about them. I'm blessed to be a part of uh, this program, the school, and Yeah, I'm just I'm happy to talk about him whenever I can, so appreciate it.
0: Such a great interview, incredible interview, Fred. What what a great young guy! Uh, I'm excited to see his career. You know, like I said before, he certainly knew what his dad did, and and you watched Dylan play at UWO, but to. Hey, just, just to watch that transition when you're in your 20s, and, and boy, all I have are memories of, of, of that, that age, but you know, to watch him decide that the coaching is, is what he wants to pursue, and, and just what that actually took to be a good coach, and, and the amount of work uh, that, that goes into that in the organization, it was great to, to hear. I love stories like that, and uh, you know, that's one of our goals, like we talked uh, about in the very first episode, that we want to find more more guys like Dylan and just kind of highlight them and, and and show you that. And there's some incredible people in this community and some exceptional coaches, players, whoever. And, and, and these are the kinds of stories that we want to be able to tell and and uh, just be inspired by.
1: Yeah, I think it really kind of comes down to you know what we talked about earlier with Steve Jones. I mean, it, it, this is how this starts, right? This is where this begins uh, is bringing in a young uh fresh-minded smart uh very intelligent uh experienced coach somebody who's been around the game for a very long time so I, I think you know manasha makes the right call i want to give another quick shout out to Mackenzie clemens for an awesome interview uh big part of the red smith uh foundation sports you know banquet everything like that she's she's front and center with us so we are very excited to have her on there um Matt,
0: totally so, rocks it, rocks it. She's a rock star on, on our team, and, uh, yeah, she, she she's our leader.
1: Yeah, she's she's definitely a rock star and, without a doubt, the best-looking one of all of us. Um, but the cool thing, you know, I I, I took away from, from listening to Dylan there is uh, it's when he talks about, you know, X's and O's, and everybody knows the X's and O's, but it's about more than that. It's about teaching the boys. It's about teaching the kids. It's about teaching – the parents a little bit. And, and again, I'm going to go right back to that Steve Jones discussion we had earlier. And you know, that's, that's the, that's where you get them, right? That's not, you can go in there and you can bark different uh, offensive sets and different type of defensive sets and things you can do on the, on the court and ways that you can improve yourself on the court. That's great. There's some really good coaches who know that, but what makes a great coach and an exceptional coach is that coach who is willing to, find the sets of life right and to kind of teach you things about how to be a better man how to be a better student how to be a better brother son you know all sorts of those things and I, and I love that right so I, I've become a huge fan um, and the one the, the one thing he, he said I just I can't get it out of my head but he said you know you can in paraphrasing this of course but you know you can scheme to win a game but you can't really scheme to win with the kids right and I think that just Resonated with me, and it's so true, and it's so, um, it's so easy to walk in and pretend to be somebody. You can be the cool guy, the hip guy, the whatever coach you want to be. But uh, when it comes down to it, I think he's really got uh, a good foundation started there already, and I think that's pretty impressive. Talked about the assistant coaches, talked about um, the talent within their their conference, which I think is always a a talent pusher right if you're playing good talent you're obviously playing up to that talent and i think that's a an unwritten kind of uh you know attribute about great teams is are you playing great teams right you can be a great team and playing crappy teams are you getting better right are you actually getting better uh i look at it like scout teams you know scout teams on on football teams um without a good scout team, I just don't think you're that great. I don't think you're ever really learning and pushing yourself to be better. There's a reason why Jair Alexander for the green Bay Packers is so good is because he goes against Devonte Adams every day. And there's a reason that Devonte Adams is so good is because he has to go against Jair. And I think they kind of feed off of that. So that's a really big aspect to just being a good, uh, a good player, a good coach. And he seems like a good one, man. Um, as a Nina alum, you know, he's not really in our conference anymore. That's which I can never get over that. I just, I find that so hard to talk about. for so long, it was Nina versus Manasha. And I keep having to see that we're not in the same conference, but I, I refuse to not have that be a part of my life.
0: I can't tell you how much I hate the, the conferences. I don't even know where the heck any conference is anymore. Who's in what conference? Uh, you know, we, we get contracts for these football games. What the hell is this conference? You know, and it turns out, oh, it's the old FEA, but it's some something version of FEA West. And um, you're right, I, I do certainly miss the Kimberly, the kakanas the Nina Monash, the Appleton. Must well, be even before North Appleton, East Appleton, West. I mean, the, the FEA. You know, that's that's what we grew up on, and, and that was. It was, and it's not like that anymore. And, and there was never really a and, and things change. I guess you just, you adapt and, and, that's, that's just, uh, well, I'm coming to learn here in my 50 plus years on this earth that, uh, life moves pretty quickly every day. So things change.
1: Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> Sound like a couple old guys talking on a microphone <laughs> about what happened and why, why things are changing, why we don't like it anymore. Um, And you know i get it i understand that the concept i guess behind it it's just yeah i i struggle i i played football against the teams that surrounded my city right i mean i played against the kimberleys the kakanas the appletons the menashas um the oshkoshes i mean that's who we played because that's who was around us and that's that's just what i feel is has always kind of in my thought process what was normal so uh yeah i've been pretty bummed about that but uh, to get back to, to kind of basketball, I mean, I, I think uh, they've got a great situation there. He seems like an awesome guy and an awesome coach. Um, and I like the fact that he's he's taking the approach of, um, you know, more than just a basketball coach, you know, someone that these kids can talk to, rely on, be around, uh, spend that time with and, and kind of build that program. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say back up because I don't know if they were ever down down, but I, I think kind of to a, To a point where they they can be, and I think there's a lot of good talent in that Menasha area, and I think he's he's going to take it and run with it.
0: Well, I plan to go check them out uh, strictly to watch the officials, but uh, I'll go to the old Menasha Field House. That's a good old barn.
1: I mean, it's not the Nina Field House, but it's all right. You can uh, see it in a new
0: high school here. That's uh, in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I I that's weird for me too. I don't know if I can even get get over that. My um my dad still has a track record um for the uh I believe the 400 meter relay I believe that's what it was I think I got to check on it but it's something along the lines of it was a couple years after or maybe a lot more years after that they changed it they changed it from yards or meters to yards or yards to meters or whatever that was whatever happened there um, so technically it can never be beaten because it's, it's now a different unit of measurement. Um, so there's that little snafu there, which, um, is great because his name will always be on that, that record board, uh, for Nina, for the, for the relay. So, um, not that it would have ever gotten beat, you know, he's, you know, the speed was incredible. Those guys were pretty fantastic, but, uh, yeah, i I always will think about that. I hope that they bring that to the new, the new high school. I'm sure they will.
0: Well, they'd have to,
1: for gosh sake. It's a Thurston, after all. No, I mean, they're freaking better. Um, but all right, yeah, so great interview. Uh, thanks again, big time to McKenzie and uh, Coach Words there for, for stopping by. Um, I look forward to kind of getting to, to watch him this season and hopefully run into him at the banquet at some point and kind of talk to him about how things are going. Um, do you have any uh, last remarks, any last closing thoughts here before we wrap it up? no you you know you touched about it you know the
0: banquet um we'll make a more formal announcement uh we're we're real close to kind of finalizing our plans we're um we're shooting for an in-person event sometime around uh baseballs will be flying let's say um so we're shooting some time over there. We're just trying to define it right now, make sure we have the right space and uh, everything is considered. So we'll we'll have a formal announcement, but uh, it's, it's kind of looking like we're going to have an in-person event. Uh, maybe scale back a little bit.
1: Bringing it back. Bringing it back a little old school. I like it. Give it yeah. a, good, uh, give yeah. a good run. So, All right. Well, yeah. Uh, week three of the Red Smith podcast, we close it out. Uh, we had a great interview with uh, – Coach Wirtz from Manasha talked a little bit about some of the big departures here in the Fox Valley and Steve Jones in soccer heaven and uh, kind of looking forward to what comes next week. I don't even know. That's the beauty of this show. ladies and gentlemen. We don't even know what's going to happen and who's going to stop by, but I can guarantee you it's going to be someone great.
0: Well, like I told you before, it's inspired right now. Fish, they never know what they're going to play during their set. We're following that same premise.
1: That's all. That's all she wrote, folks. All right. I am Fred Thurston, and uh, with me, as always, Joe Ornstein, and we are out here for week three of the Red Smith Podcast.